Hello, this is Paul Green with episode six of the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. That's right, it's the podcast, everybody, because I'm so creative. Instead of saying podcast, I took out the word pod and I'm saying Paul. <laughs> Man, am I creative. All right. Well, everybody's talking about Matt Rife, so I guess I have to talk about Matt Rife, too. I don't want to, but I gotta. So I'm going to talk about Matt Rife. I'm going to divide it up into a couple categories. First of all, I'm going to talk about what I think of Matt Rife just kind of as a person from what I've observed. I'll talk about his comedy, and then let's do a discussion about cancel culture and freedom of speech in general. So since Matt Rife is blasted onto the scene recently. Of course, any comic has had to take notice and has had to uh, formulate an opinion because it's kind of hard not to in this industry. My impressions of Matt when I hear him on podcasts, I've heard him on Jimmy Fallon. I've heard him on Joe Rogan. I heard his interview with uh, Jordan Peterson. I'm really inclined to like the guy from what I can tell, from what I can gather from how he talks about his life, how he approaches comedy, how he has been grappling with this incredible experience of blowing up and becoming famous and becoming highly successful after 10 years in the trenches and getting that big break that so many comedians are seeking and hoping will happen for them. And that happened for him. Just a gigantic big break. And I feel like he is managing that with a tremendous amount of humility and gratitude. And so I have no problems. I have no issues with him uh, personally. I mean, I don't know him personally. Who knows what he's actually like in person? You know, maybe he's just really good at putting on a show in interviews, but I, I feel he comes across as very genuine and and grat and grateful, and I can get behind that. He he blew up, he put himself on social media, and he caught a wave. He tripped the algorithm. I don't even think he knows how he did it or why it happened, and so this is what happens to this is what happened to him, and he's managing it, in my opinion, with a tremendous amount of grace and gratitude. In terms of a comedian, I watched his comedy special. It didn't it didn't really strike me. It wasn't for me, but I'm also not his target demographic. So I don't think that he's really that worried whether or not Paul Green is necessarily a fan of his comedy. But you know what? You know what? There are hundreds of thousands of people. I think he sold 600,000 tickets who are a fan and do like his comedy. And if there's one thing that I have learned as a comedian, it's that other comedians are actually not your demographic. They're not your target demographic. And, you know, doing stand-up comedy for comedians, to me, it's like a magician doing magic for magicians. You know, magicians are going to be a lot more critical and a lot more difficult to please because they know what you're doing. They know the ace of spades is up your sleeve or they know you're palming the card or they, so, you know, 
So as a stand-up comedian, his his comedy doesn't really resonate with me, but so what? My comedy doesn't resonate with a lot of people too. So that to me should be a mute point in terms of what I think of his comedy because I'm not who he's trying to impress anyway, and he doesn't need to because he's selling out uh, large venues. So... And as far as that goes, I could not be more happy and excited for him as I am happy and excited for any comedian who who makes it. I genuinely get excited when anybody gets a big break. And I've had close friends of mine blow up. I had a friend of mine who I started comedy with who got booked on Saturday Night Live last year, and I have been thrilled to death for him. Uh, his name is Michael Longfellow. We started at the same time, and he's on SNL. And I just think that's incredible. And another friend of mine who started doing comedy about four years ago, who I met in Los Angeles, Zhao Ying Summers, is blowing up right now. And she headlined the Apollo in uh, New York a couple of weeks ago, the first Chinese American to ever headline the Apollo. Uh, I think last night she was in Vegas at uh, Jimmy Kimmel or maybe over the weekend. And she had Patton Oswald on her podcast or maybe Patton Oswald had her on his. I, I I don't know whose podcast it was. And and I'm thrilled to death. I don't have that. Uh, this should have been me. Uh, how come I'm not getting X, Y, and Z? I, I don't know. I I don't have that. I I don't know what makes somebody blow up other, uh, you know, uh, apart from somebody else and. I don't worry about that. I just go, well, that's incredible. To me, it just goes, wow, it does happen for people. And if it happens for those people, then there's a possibility it could happen for me and for people who I love and respect and who have been in the trenches with. Uh, another uh, buddy of mine, Hank, uh, filmed a comedy special out in New York. He and I were doing open mics in Los Angeles just a couple of years ago. And then he moved out to New York and started getting acting gigs. And he got this incredible uh, full-length uh, comedy special. And couldn't be happier for him. Could not be happier for him. Matt Reif, I don't know him personally, but I couldn't be happier for him. I, I, I'm just excited that a comedian, even though I didn't know him, I know who he is now because he became famous. And I just go, that's so incredible that he had that experience. And just from posting a TikTok video that, that went viral, he was able to capitalize on that uh, exposure and turn it into this massive tour and a Netflix special. And I think that's incredible. Now... The final part of that, which is, his, you know, now there's controversy because in his Netflix special, he had the audacity to do a joke that people found offensive. Uh, personally, I didn't like the joke at all. I, I thought that the joke was I just I didn't think it was a really good joke. I don't I'm not easily offended. And I also know that, well, I'm a straight white guy or whatever. And so I don't know what domestic abuse is like. Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. But My thought on that is, even if I don't like the joke, even if I think the joke is horrible, even if I think the subject matter is atrocious, I will live and die by any comedian's right to say whatever joke they want to say, and it could be the worst joke ever. I believe in every comedian's right to say whatever joke they want. 
And I also feel that anybody who has a problem with the joke, you also have freedom of speech to say, this is the worst joke I ever heard. This joke is offensive. This joke hurt my feelings. By all means, express what you feel. I, I don't have any issue with that. So I don't have any issue with the fact that he made the joke. I don't have any issue with the fact that people are upset that he made the joke and are expressing uh, their, their feelings about it. That's the, that's the beauty of America. That's the beauty of free speech. Where I start to take issue is when it goes into any sort of, you're not allowed to say that, or you can't say that joke, or because I or some group of people or an organization or whatever happens to find a joke offensive, that therefore that person who said the joke needs to uh, not be able to say it. So let him say the joke and let people be offended or not offended and let him share what he thinks about the fact that people got offended and let people who were offended let everybody know that they were offended. Where I start to take issue is when it starts getting into this idea of cancellation, the cancel culture, which I I don't know, I don't really buy into that as much because people also have a right to not go see a comedian. So... (laughs) If a comedian says a joke that you find offensive, and then that means you don't want to go buy a ticket to go see him perform, then you're not going to buy a ticket to go to, to go see him perform. I don't really feel like that's canceling somebody. I guess maybe where maybe where it starts to get a little more complicated is in an issue where maybe when somebody gets fired, there was that actress for Disney. Uh, I I can't remember her name. You all can fact check me. She was on The Mandalorian. And she was somewhat right, right leaning, I think, or maybe she posted, maybe she posted a meme or something. I don't remember the whole story specifically, but she ended up getting uh, fired from Disney and had had to do an apology. Now that I start to go, okay, that I take a little bit of an issue with that somebody would would lose a job over expressing an opinion or expressing a joke, even if the joke is distasteful or even if the joke isn't funny. And I can also go either way on that because it's also like, well, when you work for a company, there is a certain expectation that you're you're going to play ball to to a degree. And so I can also see how, well, the company doesn't really owe you employment. And when you work for a company, especially a company as, as big as Disney or any major company who has just massive liability, they're just fighting off lawsuits left and right. They have a whole legal department just to deal with the fact that they're getting sued every single day over something. There's a gigantic liability. And when you work for a big corporation like that, there's an expectation that you're you're going to play ball within the rules of the corporation. And if you don't play ball, then you probably don't belong in that corporation. I, I think it's sad. I don't like to see anybody losing their job, especially not for saying a joke. So... But I, I see both sides of that argument and, you know, I I don't know. I, I think people should be able to say what they want to say and people should be able to be offended or not offended. And people who are offended should be able to uh, e- express their their offense and express their opinions and, and let people know how a certain joke m- made them feel. Uh, you know, more more power to you. 
So anyway, uh, I say couldn't couldn't be happier for for Matt Rife that he's getting to have this opportunity of fame and success and a financial windfall and a success windfall. And I feel like he, from what I can gather, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I feel like he's navigating it as best as a 28, 29-year-old, however old he is. He's really young. I mean, gosh, if I had that much money and that much fame, I, I would probably have tanked my life. So so good on him. I feel like he's keeping his head above water and trying to trying to navigate this as best as he can and doing it with as much humility and grace while also having to deal with just the absolute onslaught of hatred that he's received. And I feel for him because I'm I'm not famous at all and I still receive hatred just for what I'm doing in this small, small little sphere of influence that I have, which is not not even not even a, a, a drop of ink in his ink cartridge of success that he's had, and I still get hatred. I actually had, I had somebody heckle me in the dirt on my back window of my car recently. So on my car, I have an LED light that scrolls my social media handle. So anybody just walking by or seeing me on the street can pull up my, my social media handle. So I had parked my car in this parking lot, actually down in the University of Arizona. I was down in Tucson doing a gig. And I parked my car. I leave my car. About five hours later, I come back and somebody had written in the dirt in my back windshield, didn't laugh, not funny. So apparently somebody had seen the LED light, saw my social media handle, and felt that they needed to let me know that I'm not funny. (laughs) And and heckle me and try to cast shade. So, you know, I have all the love in the world for somebody like Matt who now has to manage. I cannot imagine the hatred that he's he's had to endure. And I don't know how he's dealing with it, but I'll tell you on the small scale, anytime somebody puts a negative comment on my YouTube videos and on my social media or on my back windshield, I mean, it stings. It still stings. I mean, I'm not immune to that. And so I think maybe the assumption is, oh, he's so famous, he's so big that he must be immune to any negative criticism. I don't think so. Uh, you know, I I think like anybody, you have to learn to deal with it, especially when you are choosing a profession where you are constantly putting yourself in front of other people, both online and in person and saying, hey, everybody, look at me. I have something to say. I'm special. I'm a unicorn. I'm so important. I'm an artist. Here, here's, here's me expressing my thoughts for people to listen to because I think that I have something to say that's unique. And in so doing, it is just impossible to not have people out there who are going to be like, oh, no, you're not. You are not special. You are not funny. How dare you? And this is what I think about you. And I think a lot of that fear is what holds so many artists back. I know it's held me back for years. I mean, even the fact that I'm doing this podcast, I've I've thought about doing this for a long time, but I'm just thinking, oh man, the second I put myself out there, it's not going to be good enough. I know I'm not going to have any sponsors. I'm not, uh, you know, it's going to take a long time for me to even figure out what the heck I'm doing. And yeah, and I know I'm going to get criticism. I know that, uh, you know, well, at least for a long time, nobody's even going to watch it. I mean, and that's just the reality. But here I am doing it anyway. And 
Matt's out there doing it anyway. And good on him for that. And I wish him all of the luck and success. And as I do anybody who is putting themselves out there in any sort of creative space, I just have so much respect and and appreciation for anybody who has the audacity to go for their dreams and go for what they really want in life, understanding full well that in so doing, there will be tremendous criticism, tremendous uh, mean-spirited backlash. It's brutal. And I've experienced it, again, in, in the smallest of influence that I have. And as I'm trying to expand my influence and get more fans and get more followers and expand my brand, I'm just knowing, I just know that with that, let's just say there will never be a time where everybody likes me. There's never going to be a time where everybody thinks I'm funny and every and everybody loves me. I mean, that's just the reality. And the bigger I get and the more influence I have, just the more haters I'm going to attract, and that's just part of this game. So my goal always is to always be a support and to always be somebody who is always in the corner of those who are trying and expressing themselves and putting themselves out there and, and going for their dreams. I am I am your advocate no matter what it is whether I agree with your art or not, whether I think you're the funniest comic or not, or the greatest artist or the greatest actor or the greatest business person or the whatever. I mean, I got your back. I'm in your corner as much as I can be. I will at least support you. And I will n never publicly try to discourage or criticize anybody if somebody wants my opinion, I mean, there's very, there's difference between criticism and mean-spirited comments and constructive criticism or, hey, these are my thoughts or whatever. And if anybody in a, in a creative sphere actually comes to me and wants some advice or feedback, that's very different. And I'll, and I'll be happy to if I feel I'm actually in a position to provide feedback, which probably most of the time I'm not. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to make it better. If I have some ideas, I'll let you know. But other than that, I'm always going to be your fan. I'm always going to be your advocate. I'm always going to be supportive of you and, and going for your dreams. And so I say keep it up. And for anybody out there who has a dream, who's going for something, you're going to get shade. You're going to get criticism. You're going to get lambasted. And by the way, when that happens, just know this, it means you're on the right track. If somebody is talking shit, you're on the right track. That is my new motto. And let me tell you something. I have been posting videos every day for a while now. And almost every time I get a comment, most of the time it's negative. The majority of comments are negative. Every once in a while I get a positive comment and I'm so appreciative of that. And so when I get those negative comics, I go, comments, I go, great. People are watching and people are trying to bring me down, which must mean I'm a threat, which means... I'm going to go even harder. So, you know, let's all Taylor Swift it up and know that the haters are going to hate, 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 and let's keep shaking it off, following our dreams. Congratulations to Matt Reif and all his success, and congratulations to anybody out there who's 
had some success and have had some things go their way. We all need that. All of us dreamers need that to just know like, hey, this does happen for some people and just keeping at it and keep pursuing your dreams. Never give up on them. If you are in the game, you're winning. If I could say that a hundred different times, if you're in the game, you are winning. The only losing is quitting. So keep on keeping on my friends and hope this is a fantastic week for all of you. This has been, what did I say? Episode six. This is December 5th, 2023 and the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. I love you all. We'll talk to you soon.